Hi, church. Welcome. So glad that you are here with us this weekend. A little bit different of a setup, and it gives me a chance to say something that I've wanted to say to our worship team. I don't think, if it's okay to brag a little bit, I don't think there's better worship anywhere than what we have here in our church. These five people, uh, every weekend and through the week, lead us into the presence of God so effectively, and each one has their own unique anointing that God uses in such a, um, such a powerful way, such a tremendous way. And I know they will feel a little bit embarrassed sitting here, uh, having you watch them while I'm praising them. But I think they're worthy of that. And we are very fortunate and blessed to have what we have. And um, yeah, if you get a chance, maybe even in uh, some of the comments right now, you want to just um, mention how much the, the worship means to you. I, I just, um, I can't thank the Lord more than what he has done for us when it comes to the idea of worship. So they're just joining me this weekend uh, to be a part of the message. We're looking for ways uh, to keep it um, where it's just, it's fresh and it's more than just me standing up here talking to you in your living room or however you're listening to this. And they are such a part of what we're doing that um, they're just joining me. And so I, I, I love the company. I'm glad that they're here with me. Uh, to begin this weekend, uh, if you are a follower of the devotions that I do, uh, my daughter Kate had sent me this really interesting take on the number 40. Biblically, numbers have meaning. We don't use numbers to forecast the future, but they have meaning. And the Bible is like that where it's stacked with uh, sometimes double, triple, uh, and even, even sometimes more than that where one thing will, will mean uh, a truth in several different ways. So numbers are one of those things that back up truth that the Bible tells us. And the number 40 is one of those interesting numbers. Why, why are we talking about 40? This time that we've been in is going to last uh, approximately 40 days. And during this 40 days, there is lots to consider and lots to look at. So let me read this to you real quick. Um, the Latin root of the word quarantine is the number 40. So quarantine is the number 40. So what does the Bible say about the number 40? The flood, uh, Noah's flood, lasted 40 days. Uh, the children of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. Moses fled Egypt, uh, living on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Um, uh, 40 days, Moses stayed on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. Jesus fasted to begin his public ministry for 40 days. The period of Lent that we just came through is a 40-day uh, time period. Um, 40 days for a woman to rest after giving birth. And I think that the, the important part there is the idea if God is doing something and there's a representation of giving birth to more people hearing the gospel and the idea that revival uh, sweeping our world, not just a, a place, not just a state, not just a city, but the world, uh, there's a, a time period after God introduces something for it to, um, to, to, to begin to grow, to incubate, and to become strong. And I think we're in that time period right now. Uh, a group of theologians believe that the number 40 represents change, right? That in the Bible, when you see the number 40, there's a change often that comes with it. It's the time of preparing a person, a people, to make a fundamental change uh, in their life or in their culture. So the author of this article believes that something will happen significantly after this 40-day 
time period. Um, she writes this, please know that during the quarantine, rivers are cleaning up. This is just in the natural. Vegetation is growing. The air is becoming cleaner because of less pollution, and there is less theft and murder. Healing is happening, and most importantly, people are turning to Christ in a phenomenal way. The earth is at rest for the first time in many years, and hearts are transforming in a really unique way right now. So during this time, uh, the encouragement is to enjoy it with your loved ones. Um, return to the family altar together. Family prayer is a great blessing. And through prayer, you will see changes that God can work in you and in your home. Christ promises us that in everything, it works together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Uh, it also includes this thought. We're in the year 2020. And 20 plus 20 equals... 40. Yeah, well done. Okay. Also, 2020 is the year of the United States Census, and Jesus was born during the census, right? And lastly, 2020, if I just asked you, uh, tell me in our culture what 2020 represents, it's obviously what we aim for uh, with, with our eyesight. 2020 is considered perfect eyesight. So may these days of quarantine bring spiritual liberation and spiritual understanding, clarity to your soul and to what God is doing. Here's what I believe the best is yet to come. And we're living in those days right now. So here's where I want to go this weekend. We're in our series uh, that is dealing with the grind. And I know that's sort of a, uh, just a pretty, I don't know, not, maybe not the greatest of titles, but it represents really well uh, the time place that we're in right now, in that we know that there's an end to this quarantine. We know that there's an end uh, past this virus that we've been dealing with, um, and, and, and we can see it, right? We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But here's what we're experiencing right now. That, that, that light, that mark, that day continues to shift and to move. And the Bible says that um, when you have that hope in your heart that something's going to happen and it gets, it gets deferred, it causes the heart to be sick. Uh, but when you have hope and you, you experience hope, that, that, that coming to be of that thing that you're looking for, the Bible describes it as a tree of life. And so I'm trying right now to just help us navigate the fact that we're living in that time. Like it's, it's over, but it's, it's the after effect of trying to get back to normal right now. And because we don't know when, when will we get our lives back? When will we be able to leave our house without, you know, it being a, a thing? When can we hang out with friends again? When can our church get back together? It just continues to keep moving. And I think that gives a prime opportunity for the enemy to come in and mess with us right now. And so that's what I'm trying to speak to. How do we navigate that? How do we stay strong? How do we stay protected? How do we stay hopeful? And how do we stay joyful? Joyful right now. So that's where we're gonna go this weekend and that's what we're going to talk about. Let me give you this quick, um, this happened to me this week. The governor uh, on Tuesday uh, is, is really being on purpose to include clergy, um, just the community of faith, in what's going on. So he'll actually, a couple of times a month, have a telephone call with clergy. And this last Tuesday, there were almost a thousand pastors uh, who had an audience with the governor, a chance to talk with him, to listen to what he was saying. I, um, politically, he and I are at different places, but I will say this, he has reached across the aisle and into the church to try his best to include uh, the household of faith, 
and I bless him for that. I give him honor for that. I, I say, well done, uh, Governor Polis. Thank you for doing that for us right there. Um, so let me, let me just say this. We're on the phone with him on Tuesday. I've actually delayed my staff meeting so that I can talk to him first to then report to the staff, okay, here's what's going to happen. We had our hearts set that we would begin to meet together uh, in May, the second week, maybe at the latest, the third week. And uh, the governor on the telephone call says, hey, all of May. Uh, you're going to have to continue doing the, the video for right now. And I, you know, for me, I, I was just like, I had set, even though it was never in concrete, I had penciled the second weekend as being the weekend that we're going to get back together. I had told the staff, I think this is when it's going to happen. And so again, this date that I had put my hope in gets moved. And, and here's how it got moved. It's, it's for all of May, but there's no guarantee that the first or second weekend of June will be meeting together. We have to have another telephone call sometime between the 15th and the 20th of May in order to decide when and if we'll be able to meet together in June. So it's, it's just one of those things. I felt so discouraged when it was done. I felt so like, ah, somebody even asked me after we were done, you know, how are you feeling? What's, what, what's going on inside of you? And I said, I just feel... Um, I feel a little angry right now because I feel like someone else is controlling my life. I, I don't do well with that. I'm not one of those people who likes someone else to make my decisions. Um, and I, I feel sad. It, it took joy from me. So the message then, I, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm trying to teach you right now. This is, this is what we need. We need joy right now. So if I just said to you in your home, how many of you need joy right now? The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy surrounds us uh, as a gift from God. It's joy uh, that comes in the morning after having gone through difficult times. That's what I want to talk about to you uh, this weekend. So if you're taking the notes, you can write these down. Um, the first one is just, let me talk about the currency of heaven is joy, the currency of heaven. So uh, when we think of currency, currency is the money that we use in order to purchase things, to, to accomplish things, and to do things. In heaven, they don't use dollars. Uh, they don't even use shekels, believe it or not, in heaven. In heaven, the currency, I think, is joy. And let me explain that to you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, um, the writer of Hebrews includes this idea about how Jesus dealt with the difficulty of the cross. And I know this. We may be struggling right now. Uh, a, a way to think about what we're, what we're having to do is this. The Bible says, uh, as a follower and a disciple of, of Christ, we are to pick up our cross and to follow him. What is that cross? What, what is that thing that at times you have to shoulder and you have to just be willing to bear it. And it can be a lot of different things. It can be a problem. It can be a family. It can be a relationship. It could be whatever test we're in. But in this case, I think the cross that we're all having to bear right now is that we've got to figure out how do we keep um, what we believe, what we're hoping in, and what we're trying to do, how do we keep that thing healthy, uh, moving forward? How do we carry that burden right now uh, in spite of all the stuff around us that's discouraging. And so I think um, Jesus, how did he carry the cross? How, do, how was he willing to go through what he went through? The Bible says it was joy that motivated our Jesus. So if that worked for Jesus, then I think that would work for, for us, right? So here, here's, here's Hebrews 12 too. We do this. The, the this is, is shouldering 
the burden. It, it's, it's, um, it's not giving up. It's not quitting. It's making it through. So we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And this is why. Because of the joy awaiting him, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. So, so what it's just simply saying is this. The way that Jesus did what he did, the Father set before him the reward of joy. If you will go through this, the joy that you will experience is going to be... It, it's, so the commodity of heaven, when we do things for God, the reward is joy. It's not just heaven. Heaven is joyful. Heaven is not like... Uh, just this quiet, still, you know, stuffy, uh, you know, hard to breathe. Heaven is joyful, loud, celebratory, fun. Did you ever put that word in heaven? Heaven will be fun, fun. And so joy is the commodity that God pays his people with, joy. So um, let, me, let me give you a thought here, an illustration. Uh, early on, when Chris and I... Um, felt called into ministry. We hadn't been married that long. We were living here in Colorado, actually volunteering for Pastor Terry. He was our youth pastor. We were volunteering in his ministry and felt called to do it with our lives vocationally. But how do you go from, okay, you have a call and you're volunteering. How do you get in? We, we were married, beginning our family uh, how do you make that transition? So we, we knew, hey, schooling would be important. Education to do this would be important. But we've also, we've got to work. We've got to, a lot of things had to come together. And so we made a decision at that time to move to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, to enroll in a Bible college that was there. I was going to work full-time also. And uh, we were going to volunteer at a church. So we were doing three full-time things on their own all together, and um, it, was, it was difficult. It was a burden that we had to just shoulder, but we knew what made us and allowed us to get through it, we had our eye on the prize, and the prize was not just being in ministry, it was serving God full-time, vocationally with our lives. We wanted that so desperately. We get into that situation, move from Colorado. Uh, now, I'm from Louisiana, so I was used to the culture, but my poor wife who was a Colorado girl all of her life, there may not be, other than taking her to India, there may not have been a bigger culture shock that I could have taken her into than the Cajun culture of Baton Rouge. And into Baton Rouge we go, and um, it was tough. Uh, in order to be able to pay for school, in order to be able to, um, to volunteer at a church without being paid so that I could learn how to do ministry, I had to have a job. And I needed a job that, that would allow me flexibility with my schedule, that would allow me to work when, um, when I could work and not shackle me with you have to be here at nine and you have to stay till, till six o'clock. I needed flexibility. And the only job that I could find that would work was at Orkin Pest Control. That was the job that I had to, to do. And I was a termite inspector. I had to get those little termites and look at them. No, that's not what you did. You climbed underneath a house because all the houses are off the ground and it was wet and it was damp and it was muddy and there were snakes and spiders and just imagine. And I would get under there to look for little termite tunnels that had come out of the ground into the house. And I, I had to do that. And it was not a job, as you could imagine, that paid a lot of money. It paid enough money to just, um, to, to sometimes make rent on time, 
to sometimes make our car payment on time, to sometimes uh, have food. It was, a, it was a difficult time that way to shoulder it, but the joy that was, that was in our heart. We had nothing and we had everything. We had, our house was, all our furniture was borrowed. Uh, it, we were so poor, the mice and the roaches moved out because there was nothing for them. We, we, but we, the joy that Chris and I had at that time, and there would be times literally where we had made a decision early on in our lives that God was our source. We were not going to make people our source. God was going to be our source. That decision uh, 30, 30 some odd years ago has led to being able to stand right now and not panic in the face of our church not being able to meet together. It's trusting that God is our source and no matter what happens, we're gonna be okay. And so are you. You're going to be okay because our God is always faithful. And we were at points where uh, we just, I didn't know where the groceries were coming from. And we would, we would just grab each other and we would pray and we would hold on to God and we would sing and we would rejoice in the face of incredible odds knowing that the only joy we had was that God called us to be there. And I think our parents looked at us and thought, you are insane. In fact, my father-in-law told me when I was moving my family away into, to, to, uh, to Louisiana, he actually told me, you, you can't take the grandkids uh, away. And I, you know, I had to tell him, they actually are my children, not your children. And, and we were in a place where just praying and asking God, and I am not exaggerating. I am not, I'm not making groceries. God would put it on someone's heart and they would bring bags of groceries we would find in front of our house. Our landlord was this Jewish man who had no belief or understanding what we were doing trying to become pastors of a Christian church. But the Lord put it in his heart to be so merciful to us and he would forgive our rent and he would, he would bless us and we would trade off work in the house to be able to have that, that, that place, that house to rent. And we had nothing, but we had everything. And the most important thing that we had, we had joy. Joy like I've never experienced in my life. You know the funniest thing? The more easier I have it, sometimes the less joy I have which doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, it just doesn't make it. You, you think, I heard Jim Carrey say this, the, the comedian, the actor, it's a very rich man. He said, I wish everyone uh, in the world could have everything they want and make all the money they desire so that they could understand it's not the answer to all of life's problems. Because we all, before we have it, we just think if I got more, if I got paid better, if I had this house, if I had that car, I'd be happy. It's not where happiness comes from. It is not where joy is, is birthed and maintained. It is maintained in the presence and the place of being with God. And man, I just invite you into that place right now. Understand what God has for us. Staying in that place of shouldering that burden and trusting the Lord, the payoff was the joy that we have. And honestly, I, I, not that I ever want to go back to the place of, of having to pray my groceries on the front door, right? I love being able to go to King Supers and get my groceries. But the truth of the matter is that, that place of I still am dependent today. I may be able to write a check for it, but the money to be able to write the check still comes from a dependency on God. Not on me, 
Not on the world system, on God. And he is so faithful, man. The joy that I have in that. Here's a question for you. The two big motivators of life. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this, but there are two big motivators. for. They make us do, uh, act, decide. Here, here, the two motivators are this. Joy and fear. So, so you can be made, motivated by joy to do something. Like uh, if I do that, um, the joy that will come from it is incredible. Or you can be motivated by fear. If I do it or I don't do it, something bad is going to happen. Most of the world lives their life being motivated through fear. And, and so do you wonder, the anger that comes from being motivated by fear, the, um, the, the fear that comes from being motivated by fear, or the joy that comes from, from being motivated by joy, we do it because we're joyful in doing it rather than if we don't do it, we're going to get in trouble. Do you hear the difference? It's life and death between those two things. Uh, here's the second one real quick. Um, after the night is over, joy. After the night is over, joy. King David wrote this um, 3,000 years ago. <clears throat> his anger lasts only a moment, listen, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. So the, the understanding here, here's what he's, he's teaching. S serving God is not some force field that keeps trouble from coming our way. Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble, but fear not, I've overcome. There it is again, fear not. Don't let fear motivate you. Let joy motivate you. So King David is teaching, weeping may, it may come for a period of time. Trouble, struggle, anxiety, things we can't stop. There's things out of our control. But what is in our control is to believe that after that season is over, joy. God will pay us with joy. I want you to think about in your life when you've gone through something that is difficult, something that maybe failed, something that didn't work out, something, um, maybe it was a health thing, maybe it was... Maybe it was the loss of a child, right? I have permission to talk about that one uh, here for just a second. But when we go through things that are so difficult, the, the payoff is to keep our eyes focused on the fact that after the night is over, joy is coming in the morning. There is going to be a morning. There is going to be a sunrise. There is going to be another time of victory coming your way. And it just simply means that right now, as we go through this time, man, the truth of the matter is, this too shall pass, and a new day, a new, a new breakthrough is coming filled with joy. That's the promise of God. Um, I, I, a minute ago, uh, it's, it's referred to the loss of a child. Both of my girls uh, went through miscarriages that were just, they were devastating. And I, I made this statement before. Um, it's far harder to be the parent of an adult child than a small child. So when they're little, you can control what's happening. You can, uh, you can get in the way of the, of the trouble, right? You can block it. You can hold them. You can protect them. But when they become adults, they experience the, the reality of this world and adult problems. And, and as a parent of an adult child... 
you can't block the pain. You can't stop it. Uh, in fact, oftentimes all you can do is stand there and your heart is with your child and it hurts so bad, you hurt with them and you can't do anything to help them. You, you try to encourage, but there's little that can be done sometimes. And for both of my girls, the loss of, of, of a child through a miscarriage was so painful. And I asked both of my daughters for permission to, to share this real quickly. Uh, Amy, my oldest, lost, she had Isabel, our oldest grandchild. And then uh, in her second pregnancy, she lost the baby. And I remember when, she, when, when the doctor had called to tell her, we were all together. And the anguish that I saw on my daughter's face. Oh, I can still see the picture. And I turned to, to reach out to her and she had turned and she just ran out of the house, just, just crying. And, and there was no way to reach and to, and to pull her back. It was just a struggle that she had to go through. And she maintained going through that long night. It was a long night. The joy that came in the morning that God provided and proved. Little Evie, Evie Pillar, was our second grandchild. And Evie was the morning out of the night that, that happened, the joy that came with Evie Girl, my BFF, and then with Kate, um, Kate and Jay, uh, you know, after, after going through that with one, you think to yourself, you know, I hope that never happens again. And when Kate, after the birth of their second child, um, in between Mighty and, uh, and Ivory, um, <clears throat> They, they lost a baby. Um, and Jay's tattoo. I don't know if you've ever... You want to show him real quick? Um, Jesus knows. I don't know if you've ever seen Jay's tat when he's leading worship. And maybe you just thought it was powerful words. But when they couldn't share that long night with anyone else, they shared it with Jesus. And Jesus knows. He does know. And he cares. He's... He's with us in that. And, and she wrote at that time, um, she sent me a page from her diary, her journal, of how much she was hurting and how the loss that she felt. But she wrote this. The Lord gave her a word in the middle of that. And, and the word was, you will hold a child in your arms again, and that child will be your reward for having gone through this time right here. And that child will be to you every time you see her. The Lord told her, a little girl, every time you see her, it'll be a reminder to you of my faithfulness. And almost a year later, uh, little Ivory was born. And what a beautiful little girl she is. And a reminder that Jesus knows. And the only reason I share that with you, I, I, I was looking for things that were not just like, you know, my car broke down, uh, my dog ran away. So I'm, I'm talking about things that are life and death sometimes that hurt us, that change us, and that shape us. They, they, they wound us deep inside. And when that happens to a believer, you can let fear become the motivating factor of your life that changes you so that you become guarded, you become bitter, and you become hurt. Yeah, you'll go to heaven, but the life that you're supposed to have here and now now becomes subject and questionable. Or, during that dark night, man... You lean deep into Jesus, and the promise is weeping 
may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. Do you know the book of Genesis? I, I taught this in a message not, not too long ago in the middle of, of dealing with this COVID-19. The Bible says there's a promise in Genesis that it says as long as the earth remains, there will be night and day. The sun will come up. And regardless of what you hear and what you're being told and all the negative out there, I promise you our God is faithful and there is a new day that is coming full of joy for you. Full of joy. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, Paul is talking about a group of believers who were very poor uh, physically, but they overflowed with joy. He says in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy was the thing that everybody noticed about them. Is that, that's what makes believers so different than everybody else. In the midst of a trial, when it should crush you, God brings out of it overflowing joy. Overflowing joy. The third one is the reward of joy. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 34 says, You've suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when, you owned, uh, when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that would last forever. You knew that there were better things waiting for you. You accepted it with joy. I, I, believers are the only creatures <laughs> that in the middle of all of the stuff, we go through it like everybody else in the world goes through it, but instead of it producing death, it can bring life from it when you know Jesus. The Feast of Tabernacles. Um, I'm, a, I'm an Israel fanatic. Uh, not, not the government of Israel. That's not what I'm talking about, although, you know, that's fine. I, I'm talking about the spiritual being of Israel. God's covenant people. And we come into the covenant through Israel, is what the Bible says in Romans. Um, Israel celebrates three big feasts that all the nation... Uh, was supposed to, wherever they lived at, these three feasts, you were supposed to go to Jerusalem, if you could, to celebrate these three feasts. Here they are. Uh, it's, it's the feast of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, right? Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, we used to celebrate it here until it just got so large that it was, it was hard to manage it every year. Um, but the Feast of Tabernacles is actually an eight-day celebration uh, right after the Day of Atonement, the most serious, solemn, and uh, um, yeah, just, just heartfelt day, the day where they're forgiven, where the sacrifice is given to Israel, and Jesus is that sacrifice, he's our high priest, that day uh, is, is supposed to be spent fasting and praying and in solemn attention, uh, you know, focused inward on, on why you need a sacrifice. But then the following day, begins the Feast of Tabernacles, and you're supposed to celebrate the fact that God provided a sacrifice for you. And so the Feast of Tabernacles, most people believe that spiritually speaking, um, Jesus was our Day of Atonement, and the church is living in the age right now of being able to celebrate the fact that God made a way for us to, to, to be forgiven, to be 
friends, to, to be restored. And so the Feast of Tabernacles is a big celebratory uh, time. And we live in that time of being able to celebrate what God's done for us. But here's, here's what most scholars believe, that the return of Jesus is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus said about communion, I won't drink of the fruit of the vine or eat of this bread until I eat it with you in my Father's house at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the Feast of Tabernacles is supposed to culminate, right, with the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's why I think when Jesus comes back, it will likely be around the Feast of Tabernacles, because we'll celebrate with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But here's, here's my point in trying to teach all of this right here. The only feast that has this command with it is the Feast of Tabernacles. And here's the command. When you keep this feast, you must be joyful. You must be joyful. So that when you go into the Feast of Tabernacles, you can't go into it dejected. You can't go into it sad. It doesn't matter what else is happening in your life. You're to make the choice to be joyful because God is faithful to you. So I, what I'm trying to throw out to you right now, joy is not an emotion that comes because everything around you goes perfect. Joy is a choice that you make that even in the long night that you're going through, joy is coming in the morning. And you can make the choice to, to celebrate God right now, to trust God, to believe God. We're all going to go through this one way or the other, but how you go through it is so important because you can choose joy right now. And the payoff and the reward will be joy. All right. Um, come to the end of the message, and I think just the reality of being able to say to you, do you need joy? Because I don't think I'm like, um, you know, it's not wishful thinking. I'm not trying to sell something or make something up. Joy belongs to believers. We can participate with joy. Joy is a choice. Joy is also a reward. Joy is a payoff. Joy is the, the commodity of heaven. It's, it's, it's literally the currency that God uses in our life. Joy is that thing that we can experience. We don't have to wait for heaven to have joy. You can have joy right now with your family or by yourself. You can have joy as you worship. You can have joy as you watch television. You can have joy as you go for a walk. You can have joy if you're fortunate enough to be able to go to a job on Monday. You can have joy in all that you do. Man, I invite you into that joy right now to make a decision that you're going to trust God, that you're going to simply, not, it's not denying, right? Joy can be fully aware of all the stuff that's going around, but you choose joy instead of fear. You choose joy instead of anger. You choose joy instead of all the other things that we're tempted to go to. And I just want to ask you right now, how many of you need joy? More joy. I believe that joy is, listen, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love and joy. Yes, thank you, Camille. Well done. So try it one more time with the rest of the team. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. joy. It's the second one. I don't know if God intended them to be ordered that way. It, interestingly enough, the first one has to be love because everything has to be built on love. God so loved that he gave. But if they are ordered and the fruit of the Spirit has an order to it, then it's love being number one, and number two is joy. The kingdom of God, joy is so important that God makes it the second thing in his gifting that he gives to the church.
Joy. Joy, man. So pray with me. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity just to, um, <laughs> to get more joy. And Lord, I just pray right now for people that are experiencing anything but joy. I ask in the name of Jesus, loose them from the shackles, Father God, of depression. Loose them, Father God, from the ties that hold them back and keep them from being able to walk out into your joy. Father, if fear has become the commodity, uh, the commerce that they're operating with, God, I loose people from fear right now in the name of Jesus. And where you break that thing and where you, you stop that thing, God, I ask that you would fill that void with joy. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I pray joy over your relationships. I pray joy over your dreams. I pray joy uh, over the words that you speak, uh, the emotion in your mind. I pray joy when you go to sleep, joy when you wake up. Joy when you go through your day. I pray that joy would guard you. It would guide you. It would motivate you. It would keep you. Uh, it would be the thing that when people talk about uh, you and what you're known for, may people say, um, man, Terry was joyful. Uh, Camille was joyful. Mariah was full of joy. Uh, JJ had so much, so much joy. That worship team exuded joy in all they did. Donnie was just so, so full of joy. Isaac, you couldn't, you would catch joy when you were around Isaac. Yeah, yeah, may that be the thing. Instead of, <laughs> instead of some disease that people catch, may they catch joy from us. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, amen. And amen. Okay, uh, Pastor JJ is going to close out our service. Thanks, folks. Here, here I am. <laughs> This is great. It's nice to do this with all my friends up here too. This is fun. Hey, thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. This message just gets me excited. And the whole time I just kept thinking like, raise your expectation. Raise your expectation for every day right now. Don't wait for the night to end. Look for joy now. The sun rises a little earlier every day. I get up every morning and go for a walk so I can watch the sunrise. And every day I gotta go a little earlier because the sun comes up a little earlier. What if in every day, you look for that sun to come up a little earlier in your experience. Jesus is so good. Joy, just fill us up with it, Jesus. We want, as a church, to bring life however we can to you. So I'm just gonna throw two things to you and then we'll be done here. One, if you go to jfc.org zoom, we do events throughout the week with people from the community of our church led by someone that works there that would love to have you involved. Go look at what the schedule is for each week. Jump on. It's going to be always a good time. My wife and I try to do as many as we can, and we love it. It's just a really cool way to get to connect with people we know and people we don't. So if you're looking for joy, community is a great way to find joy. And another thing is we do worship throughout the week on Instagram Live. And there again, put everything aside and just enjoy, lift Jesus up. So come join us for that. We can't wait to be back together in person but right now, we're together the way we can be, and we can't wait to see you next weekend. Have a great rest of your week. Come on, guys. Yeah.